0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Be You with Declan Edwards. Now, you are listening to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Wizards of Wellbeing series. So remember, that's the series where we bring on guest experts who are creating absolute magic with people's well-being, and we get to pick their brain, find out their background and story, and of course, ask them to share their tips and tricks towards living a happy and fulfilled life. Now, special guest today is none other than Nick Mayer. Now, Nick is a good friend of mine. We actually met at university but didn't really connect there. We've actually really connected probably in the last six months more than anything. And he's the founder of the Youth Academy. And what he is doing with the youth of Newcastle and the Hunter region and helping them become more confident in themselves, develop a growth mindset and live happy and fulfilled lives is absolutely inspiring. I'm so, so proud to have a partnership with him where we work together to impact people's lives on a deeper level but Nick is an interesting character in the sense that there are so many similarities between my backstory and his it is ridiculous and we've just finished recording this interview in this episode and my god did we have some fun but there are so many spooky moments where we realized how similar we actually are so Nick and I went deep into some amazing topics like how to best lead your child or be a leader for a child which is such a valuable skill to learn we spoke a lot about how to change from a fear based based mindset to one based on inspiration for yourself and of course we got to know nick at quite a deep level and have him share his story and the struggles he went through to now be able to give back he's a great example of the BU vision of making an impact starting with self and i cannot wait for you to listen to this episode so without any further ado we're going to welcome him onto the show Awesome, mate, welcome to the show, and thank you again for coming in and helping me do tech solutions to start off Just with.
1: Figuring out there's a there's a ghost in the room that's a maniacal panda.
0: Yeah, a maniacal panda oh. ghost that is uh, screwing up the podcast, but we fixed it, we banished it, we saged the room down, and <laughs> had a, uh, what's it called, we got a crucifixion, a um, exorcism, that's the one, an exorcism yeah. on, the, on the room, and uh, we're all now good to go, so on that side up for those listening by the way, what happened was I have a second mic now for the... Uh, the podcast reviews, the second mic has decided that it's haunted and it doesn't work. And uh so now we've managed to banish the second mic. and went back to, to old one Mike McGee, our old faithful. Um, but on that side note, entirely, I'm excited for you to be here because obviously it's weird. I mean, just we we're just chatting about ice cream being our favourite food. I feel like every time you and I catch up, we find more in common with each other. Yeah, there's more of it. To the point and- where it's getting Scary. Kind of spooky.
1: <laughs> Sp- as, as spooky as the fact that there could be a maniacal panda ghost in the room, or spooky. Earth. Spookier. Yeah. Even yeah. weirder. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to the point where
0: I'm thinking, you know how there's this theory around doppelgangers? Yeah. And people who, who look exactly like yeah. you? Yeah. I'm wondering if they're a personality doppelganger. So had a very similar experience or experiences in life. Yeah. And therefore formed similar interests, mm-hmm. and
1: maybe that's what this is. I reckon there's more than one. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, I reckon that there's a very, very deep connection there that goes back a long way. We yeah, like a, a lot of different people. A whole crew
0: of people mm. that are like just all about... Yeah. Mm, mm.
1: Well, on that no, note, no. mate, welcome to the show. No, thank you for having me. I'm <laughs> so excited to be here. This is going to be so much fun.
0: So, obviously, talking about similarities that we have and how every time we catch up, we found more and more. Um, a lot of our listeners, uh, I'd say all of our listeners would be very familiar with sort of my story and why I'm here and what got am interested, but... Mm-hmm. I'd love for them to hear your story and your experience, and rather than me sort of, you know, fumbling my way through someone else's story, it's always nice to just go, "Hey, how how do you introduce yourself and yeah. what got you to where you are today?" Like, if you look back, what well, I'm a big believer in sort of pivot points or mm-hmm. like pivotal moments that like really shaped us. Yeah. If we go back, where do you start seeing
1: who you are today start to be shaped? Poor oh, man. The the one pivotal moment was second year placement. Yeah, gotcha. Like that that's where the fundamental shift occurred. Is in the cognitive shift of holy hell, this uh, I'm I am finding myself going down a path that I thought was for me, but there's a whole other world that I wasn't even aware of. The eyes were opened up to by uh, our I guess you could say mentor at the time, which was Leah, um, who we were out there for. But what led me to that point uh, was that growing up, I was overweight, borderline obese from a very, very young age. However, somehow, every single sport that I would delve into, I would do a very, very good job at. And that saw me play cricket for Newcastle and saw me play baseball for Newcastle and New South Wales. So January of 2005, go away with New South Wales country to Mount Gambier for nationals. Uh, I was shithouse, the easiest way to describe it. Absolutely terrible. I went down there as a hitter and I batted duck eggs. So I think I went 0 for 18, 19 down there. And when I look back on it now, the reason for that was that I was acting from a place of fear and just so inside my own head of thinking, hey, I'm here for a reason. I need to do that job. And just when I'm in the batter's box, I wasn't present, just overthinking the situation and did not encounter flow at all. However... On the back end of that, I was gifted an opportunity with a ton of other boys to go to America for a training camp, Major League Baseball team. They were the Florida Marlins and now the Miami Marlins. And it was over there that I realized how lazy I truly was, as in coaches would say, all right, we're going to warm up, we'll run down to the foul pole, touch the foul pole, and I'd you know, pull up five metres short and turn around when everybody else did. Or if we're doing sprints, I'd sprint 20 metres instead of spring, the full 30. So that opportunity, which I wanted more than anything in the world, slipped right through the palm of my fingers Mm -hmm. because I didn't work for it. What do you
0: think was holding you back from working for it? It it was still fear. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Fear
1: of? Fear of fouling, fear fear of not being good enough, fear of – it's a conversation that we have with the kids a lot now, where it's, "Hey, if I don't give everything to this, I've got an excuse." Then, yeah, everything's okay if it doesn't work out. However, with how young and naive I was when I came back, like two boys got picked up by the Boston Red Sox. Uh, one boy went into the Minnesota Twins system. Another boy went, to, went into, uh, I believe it was the Baltimore Orioles system. And I'm like, okay, there's something different here because I couldn't see the fear. I couldn't really see the laziness and I didn't want to accept it. And the easiest thing for me to look at was look at me compared to these athletes. Like in order for me to be taken seriously, in order for me to have a shot, I need to lose some weight and become more of an athlete. So I threw myself into the internet and like men's health magazines, men's fitness magazines over the course of... The summer, it would have been of 2005, and I end up losing close to 40 kilos. Mm. And for the next two years, anorexia, orthorexia, depression, suicidal thoughts. Up until it would have been just after I graduated year 12 was when I sort of had that realization moment of I vividly remember staring at myself in the mirror, brushing my teeth, And it was the first time that I was like, holy shit, it was a skeleton staring back at me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I had the issue. Like I was so hyper-focused on aesthetics and that's how I sort of identified myself and defined myself. But but when I look at it, the real reason was just I was doing so much as in I was working full-time at Coles that summer in the fresh produce so just lifting nine hours a day, continual movement, I'd get up and train before going in and then I'd have soccer training or something of an afternoon. And there was no way that I was fueling my body because I had this aversion to carbohydrates from everything that I'd learned of just being like, okay, I'm only going to eat meat and veg. So I was eating, however, it was not, you know, consuming enough for what my body was burning or what it needed to grow and repair. And there was that fear of, well, I don't want to put on fat because put on fat, it's going to take me back to who I once was. And, you know, there was bullying in that revolving around that. So it was a very, very complex time of my life. However, on the end of that, mum's like, why don't you go study nutrition and dietetics? I'm like, huh, that, that seems perfect. That seems brilliant. So I threw myself into that and the laziness had stuck with me. So I started two years before yourself. There's a reason that I then found myself in same year as yourself i have more fails on my uni transcript than i care to admit Mm. like i was in europe 2013 mid-semester break and i received an email with semester on subjects and i like failed biochem again i failed hubs again uh ended up getting like a 52 in one of the other other subjects and i failed something again as well and accompanying that email was an email from surrender Mm. mr mayer we regret to inform you that if you file one more subject, you cannot finish the degree. It would have taken you too long. So I'm at a crossroads. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, this is interesting. What do I do? Do I, do I come back home to Australia where mum and dad won't return my phone calls? That's how angry they are. I can't go on placement because I didn't get through the subjects that I needed to. I had to quit calls in order to come out here. Like, I have nothing for me if I go back home. Like, I'm 23 and everything that I have tried at, I have failed at. That was the story that I had going mm. through my head. So my cousin, Johannes, who lived in Munich, he said, why don't you just stay here for another, you know, seven months? You can sleep on my couch. Mm. So I'm like, sweet, did that, called mum and dad. Mum hung up on me. Um, and then she's like, did you just say that you're going to stay in Europe? I'm like, yeah. She's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Mm. Best choice I have ever made for myself because it's there that I was really looking at it and going "Hmm, there's a reason that I'm getting these results like there's a reason that I am not putting in the work to this dietetics degree like I'm enjoying it but there's just some little bit of apprehension so I've got so much knowledge and so much experience what the hell do I want to do with it and I'm like, I've always been called to, you know, doing Cert 3 and 4, like, personal training. Like, that stuff calls to me. So I came back home. I flew in Christmas Eve, surprised everyone in Lederhosen and, and all of that. Like, mum dropped a salad around Christmas that year because um, everything just, yeah, went way off because I wasn't coming back till January. But, um, yeah, did Cert 3 and 4, aced that, then went on placement, and that's when I met Leah And we were out in Forbes to do a needs assessment to see if she should <laughs> set up a business out there. And she sat me down in the middle of the second week and said, "Nick, you may think that you want to go on to be the head of the, um, you know, sports nutrition Australia down at the AIS or all that stuff. She's like, but you're going to run a business one day. She's like, you have a you have a knack for this. And I'm like, I don't know anything about business. And she's like, you've just identified to me the entirety of the reasons that I should not set up a business here. And I was like, huh." So she then took me under her wing, and I got to go and watch her in her uh, outpatient practice back here in Newcastle. And you know, she showed me the inner workings of the business and everything. And then when I'm doing Cert Three and Four, um, I'm sitting down, and there's a gentleman across from me. And first words that come out of his mouth is, "I want to train badass motherfuckers." And I'm like, "You are my guy." Like that is everything. So that's when we formed Peak. And then I'm in that world for a year, and. Marco always knew that, hey, the real thing that I want to do is I want to help a a version of myself and I'm going to, you know, train youth was the original plan. And after a year, I'm like, mate, I can't continue to do this, like train these adults. I uh, I feel like I'm doing no work for it and I'm taking home, you know, half of the, the income that's coming in and that just feels out of alignment. So sitting there, I wrote like a Facebook ad with my whole story that I was going to put up um, and I couldn't press enter. Couldn't submit it. And Marco, God love him, just comes over my shoulder, pressing the button and he's like, oh, there you go, motherfucker. Like, yeah. You're in it now. <laughs> so, yeah. um, And just immediately, so much feedback. Like, first client was an Australian schoolboys rep. We had an Australian gymnast, then joined a heap of MPL boys. And I'm like, the universe is sending me stuff right now and I've never felt so alive before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you fast forward to pretty much three years now, like, I am fundamentally a different person. I've never felt happier before in my life or more fulfilled. We've been blessed to guide and support over 5,000 youth in the last three years. You know, kids are on national squads. Kids are in jet systems. Kids have overcome their own depression and eating disorders and are completely different kids inside of social settings. And then, you know, kids are in MPL sides and they're studying the degrees that they want to study or they're in apprenticeships that they want to be a part of. And we've been able to guide and support them and empower them depending on what individual road they want to go to. And it all just comes down to being there for them and having a real conversation with them about what do you want? Mm. like What do you want? Not what you think other people want for you or not what you think is going to make other people happy, but what do you really want for yourself?
0: Which I suppose is a reflection of your journey, taking that from that place of fear mm-hmm. and acting from fear. Into now, what do you think the alternative was for you? Because it's interesting hearing sort of all this acting of fear of failure mm-hmm. inevitably was bringing
1: more failure. Yeah, the had I come back from Europe, I have no idea what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, what I,
0: did you step into in Europe in terms of like so instead of acting from fear, what would you say yeah. you act from now?
1: Uh, inspiration, okay, e- everything is inspiration. Um,
0: run me through that because I know there's a lot of people listening who. Do you get stuck in the running, like acting from fear? Mm-hmm. How do you feel the difference? Like what, is, what does that look like? What's it feel like?
1: So for me, it comes back to scarcity versus abundance, or I like to say survival versus creativity. So survival oh, cool. is when we act out of fear. Creativity is that I am just going to create and go after what gives me energy right now, what am I inspired to do, and choose to consciously act from that place and bring myself back to it whenever I have awareness of catching myself. acting out of desperation. So the perfect example for this is financial. I used to, like I'd learned to have an atrocious relationship with finances where there would be a point where my own self-worth and how much I valued myself was tied to what I saw in that account for the academy. So if it dropped, I would just immediately mood shift and I would be a terror to be around. Because I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is failing again. Like, look at what's just happened. Like, we're not growing. We should be growing. And these are the terms that everyone defines a business should grow by and we're not meeting those. Like, oh, my God, this is taking me way back. We're doing a lot of the self-work, like a lot of inner work and understanding, hey, that's a learned behavior. So if I learn that, I can unlearn it and choose to put something else in its place and really getting to know myself and that's been, uh, God, I reckon a good 10 year journey, but it's the last year that's really come into fruition where I can now look at it and say, okay, I get to make a conscious choice now. Do I want to use inspiration here as the driver? Like, does this feel right? Like, I can sit here and close my eyes and understand what part is talking to me. Like, is it my gut? Is it my heart? What is it? Where's this decision coming from? And if it feels good and it excites me and it goes towards the mission, I don't care what it's going to cost because I trust that it's going to come back tenfold where before I would have put opportunities off because I know that's going to cost too much money. And now it's like, no, that excites the hell out of me. Like this opportunity right now that I would have said no to in the past, even if it wasn't for monetary reasons, it was some other excuse that I told myself. If it's something that makes me feel alive, I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it.
0: Which is so much more powerful. I mean, more likely to drop into flow then. Uh-huh. And, and I, it comes back to the idea of not needing to force things. Like I feel like when you are acting from fear and that was mm-hmm. scarcity mindset and almost, I know Brene Brown um, has a great explanation for it. She calls it hustling for your worth. you <laughs> And it's not a good term. Exactly. So, you know, so often we get caught in this story of, you know, hustle for your worth as if it's a good thing. But it's not. like if You're hustling and forcing something to try and prove your own self-esteem. Yeah. Like you're caught in a, a very dangerous game. Mm-hmm. And so I know what you're doing now with obviously the academy is doing amazing internal changes that I think carry on. The beauty of it is they carry on well past the sport or the gym or the fitness part. You know, these are life lessons that, these kids can use everywhere in their life like mm-hmm. going from fixed mindset to growth mindset going from that fear to that you know, action from inspiration mm-hmm. and I'd love to uh, dive into how you found that transition because obviously with BU our vision is make an impact start with mm-hmm. self the big belief is that we apply to self first mm-hmm. we learn all these skills we grow ourselves so that we can then give back to mm-hmm. others in a way that's sustainable yeah. and you're a great representation of that so I'd love to dive into that conversation and go, okay, so you, you've spent these years really working on yourself and growing yourself and learning all these things. How do you then go into the transition of empowering others and lifting up others? And I know there's going to be a heap of people listening who are parents who are like, mm-hmm. yes, tell me about this with my kids. <laughs> like, this is so, such valuable skills and conversations to be having at an early age. Um, so we're going to jump into that conversation. We're going to do it in just a moment after a very quick word from our amazing sponsors. This episode of the show is brought to you by our good friends at Monkey Brew Coffee. Now, if you're a coffee drinker, you'll know that it is one of the best things to look forward to in the morning. Just that time to sit down and have a mindful cup of coffee to kickstart your day and get some energy into you. But if you're like me and you're also focused on, well, how can I make a difference that's bigger than myself? How can I help the world? How can I help the environment? let me promise you that you're going to love these guys at Monkey Brew because they're going to help you do both of those things. So Monkey Brew is an environmentally focused coffee company that's trying to make the planet a better place for everyone. And they do this by providing high quality, specially roasted coffee beans that use sustainable practices and they donate 50% of their profits to causes that help the environment or help those who have been affected by environmental disasters. So at the moment, for example, they're donating 50% of their profits to fire relief in Australia and to rehabilitation efforts. You can find out more at monkeybrew.org and I highly encourage you to jump on there and order your first pack from them. These guys are amazing. I actually bought this as a uh, gift for our creative director and he is an avid coffee drinker and he messaged me and said that he loves it and he's a huge fan not only of what the company's doing but of course of the taste of their coffee as well so if you want to start your day with a delicious cup of coffee that perks up your energy and feel good about doing it because you know that you're making a positive difference in the world at the same time make sure you head on over to our friends at monkeybrew.org So just before the break, we were obviously talking about that transition from working on yourself to that, which I know is an ongoing journey. It's not like you stop that in order to give back to others, right? But you do get to this tipping point where it's okay. I feel like I'm able to help. Mm -hmm. Talk me through that transition. When did you start to realize that? Like, when did you start to this point where you're like, man, I've got some value here that can really help these kids. It's...
1: It still hasn't sunk in, like as in in the full – I still don't see the full worth. I still don't see the full value. Like that in itself is going to be an ever-going process uh, for the rest of my life. Like it's always going to increase and improve and expand in and of itself. Um, Like I remember when Af joined the team and she was our second-ever client and she was just about to leave to represent Australia uh, at Trans-Tasman Comp over against New Zealand. And she won gold for Australia. we've done two weeks of work together sort of thing and the parents are like, oh my God, you have fundamentally changed how she feels about going to that competition and what she's focusing on. And I'm like, I feel like they're just saying that to blow smoke up my ass and make me feel good. Like surely not, but we still have a deep and powerful connection to this day where I have not seen her now for close to a year because she's going on to bigger and better things. But we can talk and it's like, we spoke yesterday and whenever I look at how myself or Sean, Elias, April, Mothy can have an impact and empower these kids, it's the relationships that we form and it's the connections that we have. We are very feminine in our approach and I feel and I notice that the kids take that very, very well. Talk me through that. So A, why do you think that is? Mm -hmm. And then B,
0: uh, when you say uh, having more of a feminine approach, I don't know what that means, Mm -hmm. but I know there'll be people
1: listening that are curious about Mm -hmm.
0: that. Um, Walk us through
1: that. So the easiest way to describe an inside of this context is the masculine approach would be the coach that comes in. He's like, give me 10 more. Like, come on, push, push, Mm -hmm. push. And we just turn up as ourselves is the easiest way to describe it and say hey you know let's have a conversation about this like what would you love out of this like we are here to best guide and support yourself so it's not what we want let's have a conversation about you like you tell me about where you want to go and if you're not quite sure then we have the tools where we can support you inside of that process to have you focusing not on what you don't want but start to focus on what you do want and if you give us the well I don't know we know that that's just a protector that you're putting up. So why like tell me what you're curious about like let's have conversations around that and like honestly the more that I sit here I I can't describe what it is it happens Mm -hmm. and when I reflect back on it what I notice is that yeah it's because of that approach that we take where we're real with them like we Mm -hmm. treat the kids exactly like they are like individuals people will treat them like they're kids and then some will treat them like they're adults but it's like, hey, I just want to have a conversation with you right now. And if you want to play and be fun, then let's go and do that. Like, we're not trying to force them to mm. do something they don't want to do or be someone that they...
0: It's almost letting them lead, right? 100%. Which is such a... I'm curious to, find, to hear if you found, how do parents take that on and learn that? Because I feel traditionally, mm. you know, a lot of... It's almost this authority position where I'm the parent, you're the child. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that this is what's important. You're going to follow... So, it is almost very masculine
1: yeah. in approach, um, yeah. so a lot of parenting or teaching. The the perfect representation of that is if we use this uh, sort of dichotomy of leadership. So, we have the leader that's out in front and is essentially pulling everyone along with them. We then have the leader that's sitting behind, you know, cracking the whip. And the way that we love to look at it, describe it, is that we are just standing there side by side, walking with them. You know, we don't know exactly where it's going to go, but hey, we've been down a lot of these different roads for ourselves before. So it doesn't matter what comes up, we know that we're going to be well adept at handling it and supporting you through that. Like we're not going to do it for you, but guess who's going to be there if you need a little bit of support, if you need someone to talk to, if you need some advice. So it's it's really just walking hand in hand with them and a sense we're not leading, but we're just guiding. Like we're the mentor. You know the coach like if you look at the hero's journey like it's, it's a brilliant representation of it and where we come into it and
0: obviously the tangible part of that is as you said sort of being curious mm-hmm. and compassionate and asking where they're at and then yes having resources and mm-hmm. things there to help that they're reaching for it
1: first right it's not like we're forcing change upon them oh yeah they're yeah they're, they are curious and they are um, not necessarily ready but that's why you know they need to cross the threshold yeah. But if we can be there to support them inside of that because the main objection that they face, the main challenge that they face is fear. But it's not necessarily always fear. It might just be a lack of belief in themselves. It might be a lack of trust. So the more that we can help them overcome that objection and that's why we start with the physical. Like It's so easy to prove to a kid that, hey, you don't think you can do a push-up right now, but you know, in a week's time you're going to do two. And they go, whoa, and now, okay, roof comes off. They're like, what else can I go on to do? I want to do a pull-up. You know, Three weeks go by and they're nailing pull-ups and then they're pushing 100 kilos on a sled. Like That right there starts a cognitive shift. We're changing the body in order to now give us a vehicle in order to go on and, and have some form of impact and some form of effect on this cognitive side and this emotional side, which we know is so much more powerful. But we have to meet them where they're at to begin with.
0: Because if you were to have them come in, what are the age groups that you put on? So
1: our, our youngest are nine, so they're part of a soccer development program. Uh, and then our eldest, she just turned 21. However, the bulk are between the 11 and 15. Yeah. So if they're coming in, you know, to
0: just hit them straight up with fixed rest growth mindset and, you yeah. know, the cognitive shifts, they're just not going to be ready for it, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's sort of going to be falling on deaf ears. But I love the idea of taking something that they already want and understand to a degree. And it makes... Growth mindset, tangible. Mm -hmm. Exactly as you said, it's like you can actually see and feel whether you can push up now or three weeks later. How you know how much more adept you are at that skill. Mm -hmm. So I love that idea of sort of opening that space for them. Are there any other ways you can think of? I'm just thinking here for all the parents that who are maybe seeing some more fixed mindset patterns Mm -hmm. in their child, like being very driven by fear and worrying about failure Mm -hmm. and not wanting to try things that are challenging. Exactly as you were saying in your story, like sort of holding back a little bit because then they've got an excuse if it doesn't work out well, rather than going all in. Mm-hmm. Are there other tender ways you can you've come across in your experience, or that you can see that's like, hey, this is a great way to start getting them thinking about this stuff mm-hmm. and opening up this conversation?
1: It's challenging to come from a parent's perspective because I've never set foot in that shoe before. What we experience heck of a lot is that. Yeah, and I, I still experience this to this day and I know that you would have, your parents tell you something and you're like, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. And then 60 minutes later, someone else says, and you're like, Oh my God, that is the best thing that I've ever heard. Like we experience that on a daily basis. It happens. Hey, can you have a chat to them about this? We have a chat to them about it. The parents are like, I've been trying to get that through their heads for you know the last year. And you just say it to them and bang, it's, it's been taken on. And that, shows the powerful place, the position that we find ourselves in. It comes back to, again, this more feminine approach. The masculine would be forcing, the feminine will be, I'm going to come at this from a place of love and compassion. Like there's nothing to change right now. There's nothing to fix. Everything is perfect as is. I need to figure out how can I be the best person I can be right now so that when my child is ready, I'm going to be there to, to support them. And in the meantime, if they're open to it, we're going to look for some other ways or some other people who may be able to support them inside of what they're being challenged with right now.
0: Yeah, people coming from that other angle and yeah. other perspective. I know we always say it's like uh, too close to home mm-hmm. to, to take the advice. Yeah. Like, for example, my wife is part of our accelerator program. Straight away, I was like, I'm not going to try <laughs> coach, right? This is way too close to home. Yeah. My sister's now part of our accelerator program. Mm-hmm. Gets coached by one of our team. Like, again, there is that sort of boundary of, When it's too close to home, it's actually counterproductive. Yeah. So having that little bit of space is quite valuable. I want to highlight something you said there, which I'm so excited you said because it's something that I come across so often is that of becoming the best version of yourself possible so that when Mm. someone you love wants help, be it a child, a partner, whoever it may be, right, you're in the best position to support them through that. Mm -hmm. Like so often I see this trap of frantically trying to help everyone around us Mm -hmm without working ourselves first. Yeah. Like the, unfortunately, the amount of people i come across who are in that helper drive, where it's give, 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 yeah. oh shoot, I'm burnt out, I'm not looking after yeah. myself. And it's almost giving for the, it gets hustling for worth, right? Mm-hmm. My self-worth is based on how many people yeah. I've helped. That's selfish. Right? Yeah. It's not helping from a very valuable place. I love that. I really wanted to highlight that for everyone listening, mm-hmm. the idea of put yourself in the best position. Mm-hmm so that when your loved ones are ready to make change, you are in the best position to support that yeah. in a way that's sustainable and doesn't burn you out
1: either. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, a, like, it's an interesting conversation that we have with the kids just around the two aspects of control mm-hmm. and then also around responsibility. Like, ca- can we control other people and what they do? Hell no, like, the only thing that we control is ourselves and even inside of that, we only control our response to what happens. But then we also look at it and we go, what's your responsibility in life? Like, are you responsible for other people? No, you're only responsible for yourself. And the perfect representation of what you just said is that, you know, if I don't look after myself and I'm empty, then I have nothing to give to other people when the time comes for me to be able to, to do that. So I need to fill my own cup first. So then it's overflowing. And now if somebody who is in my circle requires some support that I have the ability to respond to and choose to then I can go and provide that Mm. and you know you have that conversation with kids and at the start they're just like okay a little bit so you know obviously we dumb it down and then we start to expand upon it but it's like it just comes back to control because like we know how hard it is to change ourselves like that's a challenge so imagine how much more challenging it is if you go and try and change somebody else like it's a, it's a it's a battle that i will put everything that i have an own on you will not win they are the ones that will change themselves yeah we always say to people like
0: we uh, people in our program like oh my god you've changed my life i'm like well we haven't no you've done you've it. changed your life we just gave you the platform yeah, like we yeah. gave you uh, the resources or mm-hmm. the space or like we opened we showed you where the door was mm-hmm. you opened it Don't put this on us. Because then obviously the danger is if we've changed their life, what happens if Touchwood something happens to us? Mm -hmm. You know, all of their growth and change is tied artificially to to something outside of themselves.
1: I feel like the biggest and the most powerful piece of advice for parents who are interested in better supporting their kids um, and it's the most fundamental change that we've seen with the parents that, you know, we have in the academy family and even with ourselves is taking full responsibility of our communication and understanding how am I communicating right now with my child and becoming very, very conscious and aware of the words that I'm using and the power that they have? Because how many times do we just say a sentence or say something that, you know, has become a habit? It's a behavioural pattern. It's, it's you know, subconscious, it's unconscious, and we don't know the picture that it's painting inside of our kid's head. Like if I say to you, Declan, don't think about a brown bear. <laughs> this is so... Right now, you go yeah. yeah. Have you listened to my
0: podcast? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> listening, this is... Just getting even more weird. We use the brown bear example literally all the time. Like there's live talks, tours, previous podcasts where we say you can name anything you want but a brown bear. Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm like, oh, any <laughs> edible you could have chosen? No, no, but, but yeah, but it's the perfect representation. What's going through my head at Brown Bear? So it's like, look, don't do that. Well, what we're forcing the kid to focus on is the, what they're doing and now they're feeling bad about it. So hey, instead of using a negation and focusing on what you don't want, let's use the affirmation and say, look, hey, can you please put the phone away and let's focus here instead. You know, or then if we're using soft talk instead of solid talk, you know, hey, buddy, I think that, you know, we should have a think about having this conversation in the future. Hey, look, at 4 o'clock today, this is what we're going to go and do. How does that sound? You know, it's very solid. It's very concrete. And then we have the projections versus the reflections. Projection is pointing the finger at something or someone and giving away power. It's it's blame city, victim mentality, all of that sort of thing. And then reflection is looking back and being, how could have I shown up better? You know, what could have I done differently? Like, my kid isn't making me angry right now. I'm making myself angry. Mm. That's on me. That's how I'm choosing to respond to this because he's doing something where in the past I haven't communicated it effectively and he's not valuing or not uh, choosing to respect, you know, what I wanted. But, hey, that's on me. Like, if they can start to understand language and the power that it plays not only in their own lives and to the identity and the stories, you know, that they have about themselves but that's then going to set the best example and it's going to provide their kids with the tools in order to do that for themselves as well. And that was a great, um, it's obviously one of the topics that you dove into
0: on Pocket Coach when you came mm-hmm. in. We were a guest, guest expert on our wellbeing platform, mm-hmm. um, our learning platform, Pocket Coach, that I know myself and our creative director mate they loved. Like we're sitting back listening to you d- deliver these topics and going, this is so important for mm-hmm. people to learn. So I'm really grateful if you bring that to the platform and then bring, like highlighting it, saying like, this is so important,
1: like you need to know this. So that's the thing it's everything, like everything in life that we do when we communicate with others and when we communicate ourselves, the foundational component of it is a word. We change one word, we change the entire feeling and the emotion around it, simply going from I can't to I could, one word and now I'm entertaining all of these different thoughts I'm like, well, yeah, I could actually achieve that because of this, this, and this. And now I'll start to try and find evidence from it. And when you build that up, you now create a story. You know, when you look at memories, it's a snapshot, prime moment in time, yeah? So we now have a story about it. Every time we remember the memory, we don't actually remember the first time it happened. We remember the last time we remembered the memory. So we're building this story neural pathways are firing and they have been going the exact same way for so so long and now we start to form an identity well this is just who I am because this is a story that I believe because it's a story that I've always told myself so if we can go back down and change the words you know and this is why it's so empowering teaching kids about language and how to do it for themselves because now they can start to change the story and guess who holds the pen to create the future they do So what story do they want to tell themselves to step into? And now we start to form a new identity and it's one that they've chosen and it's one that they're going to reiterate. Like that right there, that is the foundational change that the kids will start to see and they're the ones that have done the work themselves for that. Like they are creating exactly what they want because where are they giving their attention? Like when they're communicating with themselves, where's their energy going towards what they want? towards what they're focused on.
0: And yeah, it comes back to the idea of starting with self and learning that and then expanding it. I love that. I mean, so um, yeah, it's such a valuable thing to dive into. And speaking of words and identity and then thoughts and memories, we're going to play a fun game on those lines. We're going to take a quick little break. And then when we come back, we have a fun little game to play um, to bring the, the episode to a close. So we'll take a quick little break first and then we're going to jump back in. Let's do it. You know, just in case no one has told you yet, you look lovely today. And while we're at it, stay tuned. There's a lot more magic to come. Okay, so for every guest that we have on the show, we play a fun little game Mm -hmm. where I've taken 25 questions Mm -hmm. and put them in this hot little book of mine, Mm -hmm. my hot little hands, You can choose five of them. Now, some of them are very deep and meaningful questions, and some of them are very shallow and hilarious. You're going to go first thoughts, first answers that come to mind. So, Mr. Man, what would your first question be? Can
1: I flip the switch and say you pick the questions for me and just ask me based on what you feel like that the listeners of this podcast and your community will get value from and then also find hilarious? Okay, I'm going to start with one that jumps to me. I okay. can do this. This is oh, I like this for changing the game. Okay. So,
0: most important one. Question 17. Be honest. Yeah. Do you Instagram your food?
1: No. <laughs> no. Why not? No, I do not. Uh because it's boring as hell and anyone anyone that wants to see that side of me I don't really know if that's a person that I want in my life.
0: I love that. I love that. That's so funny. Um, uh, Let's go. I'm going to go to the one straight after, number 18. On the whole, Mm -hmm. do you believe technology is good or bad for the well-being of humanity?
1: Bad. Run me through that. Uh, I've done a lot of research down the road of social media. Um, and the role that it plays on us on an attention level, on an energy level, on a, a mood level uh, and what it's actually doing to us mm-hmm. and our behavioral patterns that it's forming. Like when you look at dopamine and like it's, it's essentially created to <clears throat> make us addicted to it. So yeah, I think some of the first, um, I'll get this fact checked, but some of yeah. the first employees of Facebook were attention engineers. That yeah, were you have to go and uh, Tristan Harris. Mm-hmm. If you go watch his, like, TED Talks and all of that, yeah, he was one of the employees at Facebook, um, I believe, or he was at one of the companies, and, yeah, he's now against it Mm. and is the the head of that movement. But I also look at it and I go, it's the most powerful thing if we use it for the right reasons. Like, it's it's, it's a paradox. There's two extremes and we're going to continually fluctuate between it. Like, look at what we're doing right now. We're able to share an amazing message and some great content with the people that want to hear it. We wouldn't have been able to do that without the technology. So, again, it comes back to, I guess, intent. But then also, am I the one that's in control right now or am I allowing the technology to control? Me? Yeah, no, we
0: always say, well, are you using technology or is it using yeah, you? That's and we can come back to like, I'm using this as a tool to enrich my life. I know, mm-hmm. for example, last year I uh, completely got off Instagram, mm-hmm. which at the time I was so stressed about just this logical, you know, all this part of my brain that was like, again, very fear mindset. Mm-hmm man, I run a business. Like, how can I run a business and not be on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Forgetting that plenty of businesses thrive before the world of Instagram, yep. right? But I just, I never enjoyed my time when I found out. Mm-hmm. I was like, just getting addicted to it. I was just comparing myself on there. Like, and it really was where I was using me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And yeah. we're still doing well. We're still growing nicely. Like, without me having to be on Instagram. And mm-hmm. I think it just came back to that. I feel like I'm being used here mm-hmm. rather than I'm using this tool to in my yeah. life. Hmm. I love that. Let's go. Number nine. So I feel like uh, you're going to have a, it's going to be challenging for you to give one answer to this. So I'm going to see if you can. Okay. You obviously at the Academy have an amazing library and resource center. Okay. Name one book that
1: positively shaped you and in what way? psycho by Maxwell Maltz. Oh, tell uh, me more about that. It's a book that's written, God, I think it was early 1900s. Um, so Maxwell Maltz was a plastic surgeon and the work that he did was, you know, to help people change, you know, their faces. But what he would understand is that there'd be some people who would get the plastic surgery and would become fundamentally different people and there's some people who would get the plastic surgery and they'd still remain the same. Like they'd still see themselves prior to, when they had the plastic surgery, so he's gone. Okay, there's something interesting going on here, and that's where they start to go down the world of um, thoughts actually having power over identity. And you know, he goes into well, there's the um, success sort of mindset, and there's the failure sort of mindset. Failure is like I'm going to be frustrated, I'm going to be aggressive, I'm going to be insecure, I'm going to be experience loneliness. There's going to be uncertainty. Uh, There's going to be resentment and I'm going to feel empty. And then success is like there's a sense of direction, there's understanding, um, there's change, there's courage, uh, there's empathy, and then I forget what the last two are. And it's like if someone's focused more on the first lot, well, hey, I'm going to be more successful. And if someone's focused on the second lot, well, hey, I'm going to, you know, experience failure. And that just ties back into this scarce versus abundant, this survival versus creativity. Like that book, yeah, I read it. Mm, it would have been when we first made the move, so that would have been twenty, would have been very early twenty
0: seventeen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, quite that's dry yeah, at points. Yeah, point. yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, very very powerful if you get through it. Yeah, nice, mm. nice. Wait, second last question.
0: Very, this is going to be a very telling one for your personality. I'd like to say I'm not going to judge your answer, but I'm hundred percent going to judge your answer. Perfect. If the toilet paper roll is running low, but it's not completely out yet. Yes. Do you replace it or do you leave it for the next person to do? So there's not enough there to really
1: use it for its potential, but it's I, not empty. I, I replace it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm like thinking, what are we talking like 10 sheets or less than 10? Like uh, It's time? like,
0: it's not enough.
1: Yeah. Like for, you if, look if, at that and you're like, there's no yeah, way if, that's doing it. If, if I look at it and I go, I wouldn't use that next yeah. time, then yeah, it's in the bin. You are a better console. man than I am. I, I, <laughs> I, will, I will look at that. So I'm, I'm a monster. <laughs> here, here, is, here is your snippet for this episode, Declan. You are an arsehole. <laughs> okay? It's a good
0: analogy. Yes. Yes. No, I'm 100% the guy that I will look at the toilet paper roll and I'll be like, this, this is enough. Like I'll sort of talk about something and I'm like, no, that'll be fine. This is good. And the amount of times my wife has not been very impressed with me off the back of that. So that's more, after, I think I put that question in there to try and find my people. I feel like, I feel like the
1: majority of humanity is not very happy with
0: well, everyone. Yeah, I'm just, I'm curious to see if anyone else will admit to that as well. I, I think that the, even worse, I'm, I'm just trying to back myself here, is if it's fully empty and you're leaving. Oh, yeah. Like, that's
1: just, yeah. that's insane. I, I know people that do that. That's See, that's a whole new level. That's we, something we, else. We can, But that's the thing. You can look into that and go, okay, I wonder why they're doing that. And that goes down a whole other realm. Like, where else are they lazy in life? I would love to play the game with people
0: where we get a room full of people and we split them into three groups. So the ones who...
1: Don't replace at all the ones who replace too early and the ones yeah. who replace at the perfect time. Instead of the marshmallow experiment, it becomes the toilet roll. Experiment.
0: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and that's and then we we do that early enough when we follow them for the next 30, 40 years of their life and see what outcomes happen.
1: So I don't know if anyone would like to be recruited into our toilet roll study. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> what it comes back is that the guys that didn't empty it, they're all now serial killers. <laughs> <and they tell>. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even. Oh
0: man, that's hilarious. Okay, let's go the fifth and final. Do you feel it's better to
1: ask permission or ask forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness, not permission. Let me through that. I used to always ask for permission, uh, and that in and of itself was my own lack of self-worth. That was mm. my own lack of trust in myself. Sort of giving um, someone a justified or validated service. Yeah, and just yeah. huge people-please tendency. Like, oh. I want to do whatever makes you happy. Um, so really funny story the same moment that i had that realization was europe Mm. so one of the guys that i met over there his name was cody he's american and we were just sitting there one night and he's like nick forgiveness not permission i'm like what why is that because like they may not even find out and if they do you just say oh sorry i didn't even know and i look back on it now and i go well Actually, the only person that I'm really asking permission from is myself. Like, am I going to allow myself to do this? Am I going to allow myself to deal with the possible ramifications that may eventuate in the future or may even not? But hang on a sec, is this just something that I want to do? Like, and if it is, well, then I'm going to do it because who do I really need to answer to at the end of the day? Like, people are entitled to their opinions and their thoughts and they're going to let me know them and I don't have to agree with them. Like I've just got to stare at myself in the mirror and be like, "Hey, that was a, that was the right choice. Like that's what your heart wanted. That's what you really wanted." Okay, cool. Like I, I lived far too many years of my life playing from the permission first. Like permission granted, motherfucker. Mm. Like just go do you. That that that's all that you need. But then it even ties into: Well, do you actually really need to? Like, should you be asking for forgiveness anyway? Mm. Like, that comes down to value systems and, you know, societal norms and that. So, um, yeah, I guess it comes down to what you choose to do and the effects it has on other people as well. So, yeah, definitely forgiveness, not permission. Awesome.
0: Well, mate, thank you again for um, coming on the show and and sharing your story, sharing the impact you're making with the academy and and playing my fun game at the end, um, which is probably more revealing about me on some of those questions today (laughs) than yourself. Um, mate, for those who have listened, who have really resonated with what you've spoken about and who do want to connect a bit more or who are listening to a man like, you know, I've got a kid who really could learn from, and as you said, like they're, they're too close to homes. They're looking for that mentor or coach space and someone who can have that third perspective. Yeah. Um, especially if they're local, Mm -hmm. uh, how can they connect with you? How can
1: they reach out? So the easiest place to go is to the website. So www.youthacademy.net.au. Um, Everything that we do is on there and they'll be able to book in for a free one-on-one intake interview. Um, So that's all about us getting to know the kids, how can we create a framework that's going to support them and getting them to where they want to go Um, and then giving them a glimpse of the academy and letting them experience it for themselves. So um, that's, yeah, it it comes back to empowering those kids um, and really supporting them mainly with confidence, self-esteem, self-image. And then there's different modalities that we go through doing that. Um, And then I also do a lot of my own writing. Um, and the best place there is Instagram, just at underscore underscore Nick Mayer. Um N I C K M A I E R. and yeah, if anybody ever has any questions or that, um, I love to support. So yeah, please reach out. Perfect, amazing. And we'll put the links for those in the uh, in the
0: show notes in the description as well. But for now, mate, thank you again for coming on, I really appreciate it. No pleasure, thank you for having me. This was fun. So much fun. Thank you once again for choosing to invest your time into listening to this episode, to giving back to yourself, taking that moment for your own personal development and well-being and of course, learning the skills that come from this episode. Now, the important thing is to remember you need to action those skills. So, there's a few actions you can take right now. First of all, click those links that we've got in the show notes to connect with Nick more. He's an amazing guy doing incredible things and especially if you're interested in how we can help positively shape the next generation, this is your man to talk to. He's phenomenal. The next thing you can do, which means a lot to me, is subscribe to the show, review the podcast and share it with a friend. There are people out there who really need to hear what we spoke about today that will not hear it without your help. So screenshot it, make sure you tag us on social media so we can share your posts as well. We love connecting with you guys and building a community and movement around BU and of course, around this podcast as well. And don't forget that Nick is one of our guest experts on Pocket Coach. So remember, Pocket Coach is our personal development and well-being e-learning platform. So you get 24-hour access, seven days a week to all the tools, resources and strategies you need to create a life of thriving. So we've got guest experts, we've got a testing center where you can take personality tests and learn more about your psychology. Uh, We've got animated videos, which are incredible. We've got All the podcasts that are on there, not just mine, but Amy's as well, and they're categorized by topic. So if you're very interested in working on your health, for example, you can go to the health one and it'll filter them all. If you want to work on your relationship, you can go to that. If you want to work on your self-esteem, you can go to that. It's all categorized for you. And of course, there's all the blog articles categorized as well. Now, the beautiful thing is because you're a listener of the show, you get to have a month for free on Pocket Coach. So there is a link in the show notes or you can go to www.bupocketcoach.com com, and you can check out all the details there or you can go to www.bucoaching.org forward slash pocket coach where you get all the information page you'll be able to check out the different versions of pocket coach uh, so really if you're someone who's like I just want to sign up straight away go to that first link If you're someone who wants to find out a bit more first go to the link that's in the show notes go to that uh, bucoaching.org forward slash pocket coach and you'll be able to jump straight on in have a month on us trial it all out and then from there when you love it and you decide that you want to continue it's less than $3.90 a week it's less than a cup of coffee to invest in your personal development and well-being so make sure you do that but until the next time we talk you know what we do make an impact start with self and be you